May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. I have had an opportunity lately to interact with a lot of legal analysts, and one of my favorites is on with me today, Marie Pereira, who works as a legal analyst in various places, does a great job. Hi, Marie. How are you? Hey, how are you? (laughs) I'm excellent. I'm very glad you came on. I want to talk about two big verdicts that came down in really well-known cases last week, the Alex Jones defamation verdict and the verdict in the trial of the Parkland shooter to determine whether or not the death penalty would be imposed. And I know Marie, like me, has been following both of those cases, right? Absolutely. Gavel to gavel. I'm glued to my television, even when I'm not on a show. Yeah, right. So let's just uh, take each one in turn to to start. Uh, And I'm just going to give a little bit of background in case anyone listening hasn't been paying as close attention as we have. So Alex Jones was on his second trial for defamation of families of victims in the Sandy Hook shooting massacre some 10 years ago. Uh, Alex Jones on his InfoWars program had suggested that these family members were fake, they were crisis actors, they were lying, the whole thing was a fraud, and he lost a big verdict down in Texas a few months ago, and this time around, he was on trial in Connecticut, and there were 15 plaintiffs against him. Liability had already been established because apparently he had not complied with discovery requirements in the court. So the court found that he forfeited and deemed him liable for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And the trial was only to determine damages. And uh, so following the trial, the jury went out and they came back a couple of days later with a whopping $965 million award. Compensatory damages spread over the 15 different victims, all in different amounts, ranging from $120 million to one of the plaintiffs down to about $36 million to another one and anywhere in between. In addition to that, the plaintiffs will get attorney's fees and will probably get some punitive damages, not extensive, I don't think. Those are to be determined in later proceedings. Marie, did you think that that nearly billion-dollar verdict was consistent with the evidence? Absolutely. It was consistent with the pain I saw from the witness testimony on that stand. It was consistent with the emotional, heinous nature of what he did. And frankly, it was consistent with the amount of money he made by peddling those lies. At one point, Brittany Paz, I think it was an an expert that he hired to look at the amount of money he made and to do the analytics. She testified that he was making at one point eight hundred thousand dollars a day from selling his product peddling his lies, and that viewers and the clicks and the purchases doubled, quadrupled 
after he started telling those lies. So, yeah, it matches up. We haven't been able to see the math, but is it your guess that the jury cobbled together those numbers in part based on the pain and suffering of the plaintiffs and in part based on the defendant's financial gain? Without a doubt, because for every case we analyze, Rich, and I think you and I are passionate the same way as I could see it when you're on screen. I put myself in the seat of the jurors when I'm doing my analysis. I'm not just a lawyer. I am a 13th juror, so to speak. And when she said $800,000 a day, right away I said, oh my God, he should have to pay that much. So yes, I believe that they took the testimony, especially of the money people, the people who testified according to how much money he made, they took that into account and they slammed him accordingly. And it's a very, it's a very large award. I ran out of adjectives to describe it a long time ago. I think a billion dollars speaks for itself. Do you think it is subject to appeal on the argument that it is out of proportion to what the actual financial loss of any of the plaintiffs was? I think it's subject to appeal, as is every case in our judicial system. However, not subject to being out of line with the money he made based on his lies and the pain the people suffered. I think it's right in line whether or not he's, he's, uh, the, the plaintiffs are going to collect on it is, is a whole different matter. That's a different issue. I'm sure he'll attack it uh, in the court itself, either asking the trial judge and or the appellate judge to reverse or reduce the award. But the collection issue is a, is a whole different matter. All right. Well, that's one colorful trial and verdict. And let's talk, uh, let me summarize the other one. In the trial of the shooter in the Parkland massacre that killed 17 completely innocent victims, mostly children, down in Florida. Now, this trial was only to determine whether or not the defendant would get life in prison without opportunity for parole or the death penalty. Uh, this defendant pled guilty and therefore had been convicted of the crimes, including 17 counts of murder, and I think 17 counts of attempted murder. And so it was only a trial on the penalty stage. Uh, the jury came back and they unanimously found that the prosecution had proved aggravating circumstances that would be sufficient to warrant the death penalty. But the jury had to unanimously find that those aggravating circumstances outweighed the mitigating circumstances, and the jury didn't do that. Instead, some number of jurors, and I don't think we yet know exactly how many, found that there were mitigating circumstances, very likely emanating from the upbringing of the defendant and that the aggravating factors did not outweigh the mitigating factors. And because of that, because there was no unanimous finding that the aggravating factors outweighed the mitigating factors, there is no death penalty recommendation from the jury. 
And therefore, while formal sentence hasn't been issued yet, it will not be the death penalty. It will be life in prison without opportunity of parole. So, Marie, let me ask you, was that verdict, in your view, consistent with the evidence? No, I don't feel that it was consistent with the evidence because the jurors say that the state did prove all the aggravating factors beyond a reasonable doubt. But I can't reconcile with the fact that even though all of the aggravating factors were proven without dispute, that they couldn't come to the conclusion that he needed to be put to death. It makes no sense to me, even as an attorney, I just can't accept that. Okay. And I'm not going to start a discussion on this podcast about the death penalty itself. Um, I'm not a proponent of the death penalty, but I don't want to take on that issue here. I do hear a lot of people saying, if you do have the death penalty, if not in this case, when would you ever uh, put in the death penalty? Do you agree with that? I agree with that 1,000%. All right. So- One of the things that interests me and I wanted to talk to you about is these two verdicts, they came down one day apart. The Jones verdict, I think on Wednesday and the Parkland verdict on Thursday. And they both come from, they both arise from these horrible school shootings that we've seen way too many of in this country and we continue to see. And again, that's a larger topic in the scope of this podcast. And, but I, I could see a viewpoint that Alex Jones seems to have been penalized for comments about a school shooting really to the maximum effect that anyone could have foreseen him being penalized, nearly a billion-dollar money damage award. Whereas the defendant in the Parkland trial ends up with the lighter of two potential penalties. So help me out, Marie. First of all, is it, is it fair at all to compare those two things? I don't think the comparison is fair because in one instance, we're talking about a living, breathing human life. That is the task that the jurors in the Parkland case had to decide. Are we going to take his life from him as currency? As opposed to Alex Jones, are we going to take his actual currency? And I think in a situation like that, it's easier to penalize the person and have him pay close to a billion dollars. But while a person's life, you know, what kind of price do you put on that? I, I don't think the two jurors had the same task at hand. Right. I, I can see that, that, that you're comparing apples and oranges because no matter how many zeros are on the dollar award, it's just a dollar award. It's not a, it's not a prison or a death penalty. Uh, yes. Life is something else. Once you take a life, you take a life. That's what drove it home for the defense. A life is something so precious. Once you take it, Like she said, there's no coming back tomorrow and changing your mind. And that's what drove it home for her and convinced. And I think the jury foreman was interviewed and he said it was first one person 
who had trouble giving Nicholas life as opposed to, you know, the death penalty. And then three people ended up being able, unable to unequivocally say death penalty. So I think it was three people. Yeah, that that was the reporting I'm hearing as of the recording of this podcast. I I think that may be fluid if we hear more from the jurors going forward, but I was hearing the same thing. I guess you can also say, you know, money versus life, it's not fair to compare the two cases. Of course, one's a civil case and one's a criminal case, so there's a totally different burden of proof. The burden of proof in the Alex Jones case was a preponderance of the evidence. You didn't even necessarily, I think, need a unanimous jury, although I think they had one. And in the criminal case, it's always proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And you needed absolute unanimity to impose the death penalty. So those are differences too. There's another big difference, which is whatever penalty was imposed on the defendant in the Parkland trial was going to be out of his control. Jones has this billion dollar penalty. He may never pay it. Absolutely. He is not going to pay a close to a billion dollars because he's hiding his assets. Who knows if he even has it? I think symbolically it sends a message that this is not okay. You can't hide behind free speech to hurt people, to tell lies, disinformation, represent yourself as a journalist when you're not. I think it certainly sends a message to trolls out there who may be capitalizing in the future to basically, as they say in the street, keep my name out your mouth. I think you're right about that. I think the Jones verdict sends that message. And I think it sent a very important message to the families of the victims of the Sandy Hook massacre, which is that we see you, we know you are real, we acknowledge the pain that you've had to endure, and the truth does matter. I think it sends all of those messages. Absolutely. And I think it helps with closure. It helps to vindicate their names. And it definitely sends a message that this will never be okay to anyone out there, like I said, if you want to do this, we are going to hit you deep in your pockets. And money matters. Yes, it does. Now, unfortunately, in the Parkland trial, the, the two things I would have liked to see come out of that trial were, one, some catharsis or beneficial effect for the families of the victims, and two, a public vetting of the circumstances of this horrendous massacre, just so that we might have some knowledge to avoid that kind of thing in the future. And it would appear that the first of those two, the catharsis for the family has not been fulfilled because the families, at least the ones that we've heard from, are very upset by this verdict. They're upset by some of the things they learned at the trial. And frankly, it was quite hard for them to have to sit through that for three months and relive all of that again. I don't think they will ever have a catharsis. And I think for those of those parents who believed in retribution as a form of punishment, vengeance and death because of what happened, they didn't get that. 
he still gets to be in prison, living, eating, going to the law library, uh, going out on, I guess, play passes in the jail yard and living his whole life. Meanwhile, they get to visit their children in the cemetery. So in a situation like that, being a parent, I don't see where there will ever be any catharsis. We have those two verdicts. Uh, Neither of them will end the proceedings. Uh, There will be challenges ahead. There will be appeals ahead. And I have no doubt that, Marie, you will continue to monitor the situation. Absolutely. You know, this is something that I'm passionate about. Crime stories. It's what we do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So, Marie Pereira, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at tartarkrinsky.com. You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief.